0: Do you hold ETH, but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. Welcome back to Flywheel. I'm your host, Defi Dave, here with Capital K, and this time, we're going dark. We're going to... The world of privacy and privacy infrastructure. We have on Luke Chain, who is the founder of Nocturne, which is doing some really cool stuff in the privacy area, privacy realm. And we have, this is our first privacy uh, protocol we've had on Flywheel. And this originally caught my eye because you guys recently had a raise, uh, that had Vitalik in it. And I'm just like, whoa, if italics in it, like, we must – you should pay attention. <laughs> like, cosign. <laughs> pay attention. Virtue signaling. Uh, Virtue <laughs> And so, uh, Luke, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's great to have you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And, um, you know, bef- even uh, – yeah, th- this is filming uh, – this is coming out in the week after. But yesterday or two days ago, you guys launched, and you guys had, like, a thousand participants in your queue. Like, what – So there's definitely like a lot of interest here. So what, what is going on? Like, why are thousands of people lining up to like use Nocturne?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I can explain what was going on earlier this week and it was kind of a surprise. Um, we we haven't launched the actual product yet. Uh, this was just, um, essentially when you write ZK circuits, like you need to do this trusted setup ceremony to like make sure no one can like, uh, tamper with this or like, you know, break it. And, uh, it, it, you know, involves basically just like running this thing that contributes some randomness and like everyone kind of goes around and does it. And, um, yeah, we, we had opened up the instructions for this on discord, you know, we're just like, okay, we had like 30 people that we kind of just ran it through internally. It was working fine. We put it on discord and like, welcome the next morning. There's like over a thousand people in this queue. It's like the wait time is, you know, it's literally days. Um, and yeah, you know, We went back, tried to fix it. There were a bunch of bots. Uh, There was still over a thousand after we removed all the bots. And then, I mean, yeah, there's like 4,000 people in there. I I don't think most of them are going to finish, but um, yeah, that's basically what happened. You know, this isn't for the product. It's just for, you know, the trusted setup ceremony.
2: Oh, for the ceremony. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to go through the the Notion doc to see if I could set one up, but it it seems like it is not for the non-technical, right? It's not just like um, click well, here, run once. <laughs> I guess we tried to make it as easy as
1: possible, um, but yeah, I mean, I could see also like, it's not the most reliable, the, the you know, the software for running these ceremonies is, it's really non-standard. Like, I think every team usually has to roll their own. We used a off-the-shelf mm-hmm. library and, you know,
0: tooling could improve here for sure. Yeah. And before we get more into Nocturne, let's learn about your uh, you. Um, what's your background uh, and how did you get interested in starting something like Nocturne?
1: Yeah, yeah. I got into crypto a few years ago. Um, I guess the first crypto company I worked at was Celo. Uh, so, this, you know, they were building an all, a one and it's- Becoming an L2, I know that caught a lot of headlines.
0: The alt1 um, L2 pivot, we love to see it.
1: Yes, yes. it seems like there's going to be a lot more of those. Um, yeah, I, I was working on Sol kind of during the time of DeFi summer, and they, you know, this is when every alt L1 was trying to like build their bridge to get you know Ethereum liquidity. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on kind of the team of three uh, that was building this bridge. Uh, we launched it. Um, and then you know the team internally at Solo grew, and we, we spun this out into the company Nomad, uh, so the, the cross chain bridge protocol. So I I worked on that for about a year and a half, uh, mostly leading like the off chain engineering there. And then
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know after the hack, uh, decided to you know to move on to other stuff, and that's kind of when Nocturne started about a year ago.
0: weren't you at Monad, or was that someone else? Oh, uh, Nomad. Sorry, the name. Nomad. Is nomad. Nomad. Oh nomad! Oh nomad! Okay, It's interesting. We uh, actually
1: worked with Rax um, for a little bit, I think, on Moonbeam. So,
0: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then you started Nocturne. Um, has privacy been something that always interested you? Uh, because it definitely is a very tall order. Uh, in ter- I think like the, some of the hardest things in crypto. I mean, yeah, I got sta- running a stablecoin uh, correctly and competently. And you have somebody, to, and then there's like privacy, which is like a whole nother thing, you know? Yeah, so like, yeah. what, where did that interest in privacy come from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose stable coins and privacy in some way, you know, they're like two halves of like building, you know, quote unquote, like sovereign internet money. Um, mm, I, think I like that. I was, not, I was not always interested in privacy, but I, I knew I wanted to like work on, uh, you know, infrastructure. I, I had a you know, fair bit of fun working on the, you know nomad the bridge and mm-hmm. um, privacy just seemed like the the highest leverage area and in, in the sense that not not enough i felt like not enough people working on it and like in terms of the way it can move the needle long term um you know it, it really seemed like something i wanted to work on uh, as, as far as like the impact for general adoption of crypto um so, so that was, that was so, my part yeah and then yeah my co-founder sebastian had like a very heavy zk background he um he used to co- contribute to uh, Plonky two and uh, help them build their proof system. This is the one that was used by Polygon uh, zero, um, so for the zk EVM. And, oh wow! Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was kind of a mix of that, you know. He likes zk, and we were both just trying to work on something that was, you know, would help adoption. So yeah, that's how we landed on on doctrine.
0: Okay. Got it. Well, you, saw, you guys saw the opportunity, the stars aligned, you met your co-founder, and you're like, all right, let's do this. Um, and so for the viewers at home who are not familiar, what is Nocturne? And how do you, in your own words, how is it a zero to one moment in bringing privacy ubiqui- ubiquitously on chain?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say the, the easiest way to think about Nocturne is uh, it's essentially a private account layer that sits on top of like existing l1s or l2s it's essentially a smart contract which um inside of it has many you know internal uh, accounts uh, and these, these accounts can be essentially spent from privately so like when you when you go to authorize you know usage of your account this is all done in a manner which does not reveal any address or kind of uh you know revealing info of that sort so um the sorry the second part of the question was was what again
0: um, And how is it a zero to one moment to bringing privacy on chain, like to make it ubiquitous? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think there's there's been like a couple ways people have tried uh, to do on chain privacy in the past. Um, And I think that a lot of those examples kind of motivated how we got to like the design for Nocturne. Essentially, like you had uh, mixers, which were just sort of like straight up, you know, put one Ethan take exactly that one ETH out. Um, and you know, the UX is pretty clunky. It's, um, you know, you guys have used these before I'm sure. So yeah, we didn't, we, we don't think that's kind of like the long term way to go. Um, we'd also seen a lot of alt l ones from like the past full cycle. And I think the hard mm-hmm. part is just, it's really hard to build a new ecosystem. And if like your selling point is privacy. It's like, you know, it, that, you know, a lot of these experiments didn't work out. And so, you know, we tried, we thought, of, you know, what would allow you to have privacy in your existing ecosystem in a manner that was like very compatible with uh, experiences people were, were already used to. So, you know, we thought if you could have an experience that was just like, you know, your Ethereum account, your EOA, um, but, you know, under the hood, you had asset privacy, um, you know, this would have a lot, a lot larger chance of like wider adoption, um, if it could just kind of be simplified in this way.
0: Yeah. You know, hearing your, a few of your interviews before and, you know, when you mentioned like, oh, you had privacy focused L2s and chains. And it got me thinking, because if that's the only selling point, like you're only going to have like a niche set of users most likely. So it it makes more sense of it to be like a, a feature, like as like on the smart contract level than to be a whole roll up or chain uh, right now. Maybe like that's maybe that changes in the future. Um, but like right now, it seems like having it as a a, a layer on top of a chain makes more sense. Um, that's what that's what I heard. That's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I
1: definitely agree with that. It's uh, building a new ecosystem in itself is like really hard. Like I think most ecosystems from the last run just are probably you know it, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that many really survive. But if your selling point, you know, on top of just the fact that it's already hard, is is something like privacy, it just, you know, it doesn't tend to work.
2: Yeah. And yeah. So, so let's, I think let's dive right in, into the product here. Like on the flywheel pod, we've been told many, many times by, I guess that we are the deepest podcast that they've ever gone into for the product side. So don't be afraid to go deep because our audience is the really, really kind of a far I want to call them left curve of the DJ inside. So, so, you know, they they get this stuff. So walk me through like, how does Nocturne work? Share with me the notes, the commitment tree, the nullifiers, the joint splits. I want it all. Okay. So you you guys do go into
0: depth.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. we Don't fuck around here. (laughs) (laughs) That's very neat. Um, Yeah, I can, yeah, let's see where to start. Um, So I guess, I can talk about how a user, like the flow of how a user would yeah, use it start, and yeah, like yeah. Kind of go from there. Uh, if you're a user, basically, um, you know, you have your key pair and that's like, you know, your private account and what you want to do is either, you know, deposit funds into the private account from your you know, normal public wallet or, you know, receive payments to your private account. And from there, essentially you can spend your funds by proving in zero knowledge that you own certain funds, which are now deposited in the protocol. Um, and then pair that proof that you own certain assets with, um, you know, an action or set of actions. So like, you know, a swap on a Dex, or just like transferring it to a new wallet, uh, something of that sort. And so basically, what happens is, um, you know, you give the proof to the contracts. It'll verify that it checks out. You own these assets, uh, and then I'll take up those assets, perform the call on your behalf, and then refund it back to you to another uh, random-looking address which you own uh, in Nocturne. So it all kind of like happens within the well the contracts kind of perform all this stuff for you um that's kind of the high level um I'm trying to think of like where it sounds like you guys like actually want to dive fairly deep into it um, so yeah wh- where would be like kind of the next point that
0: wait i have a i have a question so with the way is set up with the smart contracts and you're interacting with the smart contract with like your eoa address so are all the funds like in one contract and you sending like the the zk proof saying like hey like these this is the amount of funds i own and then it just like reads as like okay it confirms and then it gives you uh the assets i did that make sense yeah so it's just yeah. like oh it's like a giant pool of assets and you have to like prove of like what part of the pool you own that's what i'm trying exactly. to say yeah. okay got it yeah so I,
2: I guess it could be helpful to explain all of the different pieces of like, for example, the deposit manager, the teller, and then the handler. Obviously, we could talk about the deposit screener as well, because I'm sure everyone's going to rave on you about being privacy, but then you have a screener. So
1: why don't we just start <laughs> yeah. there,
2: you know, and then let, yeah. let people rave and address that first.
1: Definitely. I think, yeah, the the deposit process is kind of a separate thing. Maybe we can talk about that after, but at least for the corporate sure. well. Um like conceptually what Nocturne is, is, uh, you know, uh, a shielded pool, uh, combined with a stealth address scheme. Um, and there's, there's some resemblance of also like an AAA wallet. Um, just given that, like, y- you have to be able to pay for gas without submitting from your own wallet, but, um, I can break that down essentially like, you know, the shielded pool is, was this concept that was invented by Zcash and they, and, and it's now kind of like the, uh, it's kind of proliferating to every type of privacy protocol. Like they kind of laid the foundation, like even, you know, Aztec and Helio um, what they're building with private state is like a generalization of this shielded pool concept. Uh, really what it is, is like you have, um, it's essentially a data structure where you can, um, you know, update old records by only appending. Uh, I think the, the way that you would kind of, Think about this as normally in a normal database you know you have your user record let's just say uh you know dave and you want to like you know delete it or you know update some some entry like the you know your birthday or something and normally you just go in and, and change it but basically in a shielded pool the way it works is you append a new entry to like this append only data structure and that implicitly like destroys the old entry and so what you can do is essentially uh, update your state without actually revealing that you're touching the old state. Um, and this is kind of like the concept that has, this is what allows Shield Pools to be possible. You know, you have um, basically, you know, this Merkle tree of assets and um, notes, quote unquote. So it's a it's an asset. Um, it has an owner and an amount. And, you know, when I prove that I own some assets in this Merkle tree, like, you know, I prove it's in the tree. I prove I have the... Uh, you know the key that corresponds to the owner field uh, and then essentially what i do is you know append a new entry to the tree which implicitly uh are, well I, there's this thing called a nullifier and basically it what it does is you you append it uh to your i guess to the shielded pool and then that implicitly destroys the old note and then creates a new one for whatever state is left over um does that yeah. part kind of make sense i think this part is usually the hardest to explain just given like it's, so it's this is a, how shielded pools and
0: self addresses work, right?
1: Yeah, so that's the shielded pool part. Um Okay. Yeah, can I, you, I, I could can you run it
0: one it, more time for me? Wait, and actually um can you uh explain it like I'm um, 5? Explain it in this that was the complicated way. Let's explain it in like in the it, as simple as possible. It doesn't it doesn't have to be like exactly like I'm five, but like if you were to <laughs> explain it in like a way for maybe like people that aren't deep into it to understand, like put it in your own words in that way.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically I guess a shielded pool is um, well, damn this, this is hard. I mean the explain it like I'm five, yeah, I yeah. think I can try again. Maybe if I d- explain the deposit, process and how that ties into this. Basically when yeah. you deposit some new funds, let's just say deposit one ETH. Yeah,
0: one step at a time, deposit one ETH.
1: Yep. Uh, to my, I'll just call it a stealth address. We can talk about that later, but it's an mm-hmm. address that I have control of within Nocturne. Um, that basically what it does is those funds go into Nocturne uh, and inside of this Merkle tree, you create uh, this commitment or note that says, you know, one ETH belongs to this stealth address. So that just sits there. Um, and like, you know, there's nothing private about that part, but when I go to spend it, um, you know, instead of just pointing to the tree and being like, oh, I own this, this one ETH, it's mine. Obviously I can't do that. Cause that docs is, you know, my that docs is, you know, who's spending the funds and which note it is. Uh, I have to basically generate a zero knowledge proof that says, Hey, like, look, this, this note for one ETH and this stealth address exists in the tree. And um, you know, I have to basically create a signature that says I own the, like, I have the key that corresponds to the address.
0: Which uh, owns this one ETH? Um, oh, oh okay. Cool. So it's like an extra step. Okay, so cool. you have your EO, you have your EOA and then you like go dep- you deposit you deposit in the stealth address, which is deposited in this shielded pool, and then it generates a zero knowledge proof, uh, which basically says, "Hey, uh, I own this stealth address that has this pool." And the, the thing with the stealth addresses in the and the shielded pools is that they change every, after every transaction, right? Correct. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I can getting it, I'm getting it. I'm getting
1: the, it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think that it's, it's only getting closer. Um, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, I, you, you're the one who has to like generate the proof. Uh, okay. I generate to, the proof okay. mm-hmm. sometime in the yeah. future. And then, yeah, basically that's, that's what gets verified. Um, assuming that you do have the, you know, the key and that the note, which you said you had actually exists and, you know, Continue with the contract interaction from there after you've proven the funds.
0: So, is the difference between this and Tornado Cash um, with like Tornado Cash? It's like your EOA uh, directly interacting with the Tornado Cash pool. Here, it's like you're a- interacting with the stealth address, and which is interacting with the shielded pool, right? Yeah, that, that's one difference. Um, I think okay, I
1: don't, I don't know exactly the specifics, but I think Tornado, you just kind of like hash your key. Like yeah, there's no yeah. addressing yeah. scheme attached to it, so yeah, you, like you can't really like send someone from,
2: uh, No, yeah, it's just it's just a message, right? Like you once you deposit yeah. into a uh, Tornado Cash, you get this like hex code message thingy that you save, and then you give it to the other person. Then they can take that message code thing and go to Tornado Cash and basically claim out whatever that amount is. Yeah. Um, yeah. is what I remember. But this seems much much more intuitive to use. And actually in Tornado, it's not that you put one ETH in, you take one ETH out. It's like you put one ETH in, you take zero point eight ETH out because of how expensive it is. You know. Um, There's um, a cost to privacy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: so one thing you said on the the other podcast I really like was like, you know, anonymity is free, but privacy, sometimes you gotta pay for it. And obviously Nocturne is trying to find the best way to make it cheaper. But that's also how I feel is like, you know, anonymity in the blockchain is free or pseudonymity is free. But if you really want that privacy, then you got to pay for it, just like any premium service. And um, but and th- that's a sidetrack. I want to get back to your point of after I gener- generated the zero knowledge proof for me to spend the funds. OK, what happens after that? Let's say I don't spend the full amount like yeah. just like explain that part for me.
1: Yeah, so this, this gets into the, the basically explaining what a joint split is. Um, a joint split is like, it's basically the type of proof that you're generating. And really it says, you know, um, going back to the, the like one ETH deposit example, uh, like essentially I want to, you have some input amount. So the one ETH note, uh, mm-hmm. you have some amount that you want to spend. Let's just say I want to swap 0.5 or 0.4 ETH, uh, you know, for DAI. Uh, and then you have an output, you know, what's remaining, which is, you know, the other 0.6 ETH. And so the join split proof, uh, this proof that we've been talking about, basically, you know, it, it does the thing that we said. It proves you own assets, it proves that you know that note is in the tree. Um, and then it you know, it specifies, you know, I want to use for ETH for some public operation, so the swap. And I, you know, I want to create a new note, this new state, which so you know is whatever is remaining from that, and that also belongs to me and just like gets reassigned to my address. Um so yeah, essentially. So that part makes sense, right? Um essentially the 0.4 ETH after that, you know, you've proven you own some funds, uh, you've you know created an output note for what you're not spending. Uh the 0.4 ETH essentially gets sent to the uh a contract called the handler, which basically is responsible for executing calls on behalf of users. And um yeah, from there essentially, you know it, it performs the swap which you've attached to your operation. Uh and Uh, you know, calls Uniswap, Uniswap will give you back, you know, I don't want to do the math, some amount of die. And, uh, yeah, and then that die essentially gets inserted back into the tree um, as a new note, which belongs to a stealth address, which you specified in your operation. Um,
2: Oh, I see. And the stealth address could be some, an address that's not mine. It could be Dave's stealth address, right? If I wanted to do the swap Um, and do that. I think most of the time it'll be
1: yours. Um, yeah, I think this is, this would be where it'd be helpful to like describe what a stealth address is. Um, basically a stealth address scheme is a scheme where you can have one private key and then that private key controls any, you know, infinite, infinite number of like, uh, you know, ephemeral addresses. So, um, it's basically what you know. One key controls multiple addresses, and um, the important part about it is these multiple addresses look you know random. They don't look linked together at all. Um, so really, uh, yeah, I guess the part that I, I left out from before is like when you specify the you know the operation, meaning the join split proof, the the call you want to make, so like the uniswap swap. You also specify one more thing, which is like what what stealth address do you want the outputs of like the public action to go back to? And so that that is just another uh, address which um you know which you know presumably you've taken your uh, nocturn address and like randomized it so and you you know you have the key for that and you control this stealth address and so you just a- append that to your operation and that's where the you know the die that comes back from the swap goes to back into the tree yeah.
0: stealth addresses remind me of utxo addresses on um... And Bitcoin, to be honest, because every time you send a transaction, it generates a new address, generates a new address. Uh, is that a good comparison?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is a good comparison. I mean, also this is a like Nocturne and like, uh, I guess shielded pools in general are literally like UTXO systems. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I should have started with that. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm about to out myself, but I've actually never like transacted on the Bitcoin network directly. Oh, no way Whoa! I, whoa. Yeah, I'm
0: funny but uh, yeah wow. no, I, you know, I hope I don't get anything wrong about no no know, well, that's actually one of the questions we ask on the uh, the end of the podcast is like when did you first touch the chain but now I'm curious like when did you first touch the chain and sex just don't count Um. probably
1: well I had to when we you know when I started working at so I would just like had to do dev stuff I think that's at least for like people on the, the like edge side, usually, you know, you just kind of mm-hmm. have to like test things out. Um,
0: yeah. So yeah, you never touched touch the
1: Bitcoin. blockchain
2: before testing it for, for your work? Actually, no, that's
1: not true. I used Uniswap, uh, like it was sometime before the airdrop. Um, uh-huh. I, I started playing around. With uh, okay. It. There you go. But yeah, I've yeah, just never touched Bitcoin. I, I
0: you
2: know. Well,
1: you just leapfrogged lie, lie. the whole yeah. system.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I have a good question for you. Uh, you yeah. know, maybe We may have some viewers who may not be familiar with zero knowledge at all. Um, How would you describe zero knowledge cryptography, an example of it to someone who's brand new to it? Do you have any examples you would use? Yeah.
1: Oh, like, like the, the where's Waldo thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Damn. I actually don't have very many good ones. Um, I mean, I, I know how this stuff generally works, Uh, but I'm not, like, uh, super deep into the ZK space. I'd say the easiest way to think about it is, uh, and I hope this doesn't sound like too, like, uh, tech or engineering sounding. Just go for
0: it. You're good. You're
1: good. I think about it in, like, state transitions, unfortunately. Like, you know, you have some state.
0: Nerd. uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, state transitions. Yeah. Okay, so state transitions.
1: Let's just say, yeah, think about it in, like, let's just say a smart contract has some state and you want to do some like operation. Let's just say, oh God, that's all right. Yeah. You have some state you want to like perform some operation on and like change, change the state. And then you have you know, that output state B. Basically zero knowledge proof is like a way which you can, um, prove that a, a state transition from a to B was done correctly, uh, in a very like succinct way. And also in a way that, um, you know, has an additional property of like, you don't, you can sometimes hide, uh, information, meaning like you don't have to reveal um, all the inputs that made this change.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. So instead let's instead of saying tra- state transitions, let's say we can show that two plus two equals four. We can show that we got the answer without showing the two plus two part.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's like, yeah, that'd be a good example.
2: I
0: yeah, like <laughs> yeah. the
1: Waldo
2: example the best. What's the Waldo one kit? What? You don't? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so check it out. Dude, I, I, I've been uh, so let me see if I don't butcher this, but effectively, let's say I open up the Where's Waldo book and you and I are looking at the same book and I can prove to you that I know where Waldo is. If I were to take a really large piece of paper that covers the whole book, but I made a tiny little hole and through that little hole that you peek into, you see the picture of Waldo. So I've shown to you that I know where Waldo is because obviously you saw it yourself, but I never revealed exactly where Waldo is on the map or in in the book. Yeah. I think it's a
1: good explanation other than the fact that like it's, it kind of like leaves out, it's more focused on like the privacy part, which actually most of ZK has like not been used for thus far. Uh, Oh, wait, wait,
0: wait, most of ZK has not been used for privacy. Okay, so, so what, what has it been it, used for then? What has it been used for?
1: Oh, I was going to say, yeah, like scaling and, um, like, I guess the things we've seen so far is, like, you know, ZK rollups. there's been, you know, ZK bridges. Um, I guess World, I don't know how WorldCoin uses ZK. Unfortunately, I haven't gone deep enough into that. But <laughs> thus far, like, a lot of the uses of ZK have been for the succinctness property, meaning, like, there's... Uh, some computation that would be very expensive to verify in the solidity contract. So instead of just rerunning all the steps uh, you know, in the EVM, you verify it as
0: your knowledge proof. Um, but there's no privacy involved with the internet. Got it. Got um, it. I, there's this one quote. I watched the Justin Drake interview like a while ago on Bankless. He was talking about like just cryptographic proofs in general uh, and like where we are. And like, he's described it as in terms of cryptography, we're still in the stone age and there's like a lot more evolution to go. And the thing is with cryptography is like, yeah, ZK proofs, like they, it was like this ZK zero knowledge cryptography was discovered in the eighties. But then like, because you, you need like 20 years or 30 years of time to like make sure that it, no one can crack it for then it to be used for applications. They're like, okay, it's not being cracked. So it must be good. And now we're seeing these applications built. Um, do you know of any other like, cryptographic applications that like are in CK, but even like more advanced in CK that are out there? Um, maybe not more advanced,
1: but I guess like the, you know, like FHE has kind of been a, like a, a similar situation where there's like, basically fully hom- homomorphic encryption is like a way which you can perform computation on encrypted data. Uh, so like the Ooh. use case is, is basically like, you know, let's just say I have some, uh, you know, personal data that's uh you know that I don't want to reveal to you. But um like, you know, you're running a server, you wanna like perform some, you know operation or like do some like data, you know uh, I don't I don't know I don't know a great example, but uh you know, you, you wanna do something to like, you know, perform some operation on data that that I don't want to necessarily reveal to you. Like I can give you that. You can perform it over the encrypted data using FHE and then give it back to me and I can decrypt it and um that's like another technology around privacy, which it's like still very early in the sense that, uh, it's, it's even slower than TK. Um,
0: mm-hmm. and, and then there's I think, a post. I, I yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, then I, there's I, I, I honestly sorry. don't know. Right. Too, I don't know too much about, um, FHE yet. Although it was mentioned, I believe when we had on, um, the uh, radical raddy- radical semiconductor when we had on, uh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. We had mm-hmm. a kit Yeah, we had Ryan uh, yeah, from him, Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, he created a card that is post-quantum uh, resistant, or it, like <sighs> that—that's what he's building. And I'm like, what? I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure he mentioned fully homo- homophobic encryption. Um, I get, yeah. you know. There's so many different directions we can go with, uh, you know, privacy and whatnot, but let's like rein it back in. I wanted to yeah. like talk about the use cases of Nocturne. Um, how do you see it being used in the future? And like the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, what happened with constitution Dow.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good example. Um, yeah, I mean, I can talk about how we expect it to be used for now and then like, mm-hmm. uh, how we kind of hope things can progress. So I guess for now, um, I think the, the usage will be like, well, if you look back at like previous, you know, licit uses of privacy, you know, it'd been a lot of retail people, most of which were traders. Um, a lot of times you don't want to be copy traded uh, if you have like, you know, uh, a, a known address. Um, and so, you know, the majority of the users of things, you know, like Aztec, for example, were a lot of them were, were just like retail users. And so I think we're mostly focused on this at the start. I think this is kind of the way it goes for a lot of and protocols at the beginning. Um, so yeah, at least on mainnet launch what we'll be deploying and what like what you'll be able to use is uh, essentially, you know, we'll deploy the contracts and then the interface that we have will uh let you do mostly basic things, so you know, you can deposit funds. Uh you'll probably be able to receive payments as well. We need to add that to the UI, but um there's that and then from there you can like basically withdraw to fresh addresses just so you can transact over a new one a new address. And then you can also do things like swaps and, uh, staking. So it's not like, you know, fully expressive in the sense that it's like, you know, a straight up wallet, but it, it, you know, it does some of the main things that accounts do. And we hope to like, uh, you know, with some protocol changes and also like iterating on the UI, eventually build up to like, um, that, you know, resembles just straight up, like an account that does everything like a, a normal wallet does, but you know, you have privacy under the hood. Um,
2: Got so that's it. where yeah. we are right now i don't know privacy if you have any built questions
1: in. on that first
2: yeah i i do i do i i wanted to ask about privacy and composability because I, I believe you kind of mentioned that in one of the other pod like, could you show me an example of what does composability look like in the nocturne future
1: yeah i think so composability um it basically is just like well if if we think back to like the mixers or l1 l2 examples like Mixers is just, you know, they have no comp- composability because, you know, you just take the money out to a new address and you know, that's, you know, you get your new key and you transact that address, um, L2s and L1s that have privacy built in are like the same. It's just like, you know, you can't use your existing ecosystem, which is the worst part. I think for when we say composability or I think I've been using the term compatibility a bit more in mm-hmm. the sense that like, you know, is it compatible with an Ethereum account? like an EOA, Uh, it really just means like, can you interact with the same things that you would interact with, uh, with your public wallet? Um, I don't
2: know if that's fair. Got it, got it. Okay, so it's compatibility in a sense that, you know, after it goes into Nocturne, you could always come out and be used across all of DeFi again. It's not that it's, it's kind of like locked in Nocturne's own ecosystem that you gotta use like a privacy DEX and a privacy lending protocol. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Basically, like, can you, can you still, I guess the easiest test is like, can, you know, the things that you're used to doing with your uh, like MetaMask wallet or whatever wallet you use, like, can you still do that uh, within Nocturne without having to, like, you know, withdraw to a new address, get your new key and like manage all these like burner wallet keys. Um, Can you all like control this from the same account and still get a similar experience to like a public wallet?
2: Oh, okay. Because in my mind, I was thinking if I wanted to say stealth farm this new Prisma finance pool, and I don't want people to follow me, like, could I put in the ETH and then on the other end, take out the ETH, but then I would need to create a new burner wallet in order to go farm that. But you're saying I don't need to do that. I could just take that ETH that's in Nocturne and go and farm it on Prisma right now.
1: It depends on how you, well, I guess the the V1 for Nocturne, like, it mostly, the compatibility, it works with protocols that um, take tokens in and also create output tokens. So, like, think Aave A tokens or like Uniswap. Okay. It's just, you know, gives you back new tokens. Um, it doesn't, probably the thing with airdrops that doesn't work is like, uh, like if you were to airdrop farm another protocol, for example, you probably just withdraw to a you know, burner wallet and use that. Because you, you want this. Right now, like one limitation we have is like all the transactions are executed by the same contract. So
2: the handler, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. So the handler. Let's say say there's a there's multiple like people trying to you know use this for airdrop farming. It's all coming out of the same address. Like, how do you know like you know it'll give some airdrop reward to this contract, but then you know whoever gets it is like the first to just take it all. Like it doesn't. (laughs) So it doesn't quite work in this case, but it's a it's a limitation we're looking to like change or to fix in a future version of the protocol.
2: Oh, I see. So there needs to be a some kind of receiving returning token in order for it to recognize that it belongs to me. If, exactly. if it is more of an accrual situation, I see. I see. Yeah.
1: Basically, like there needs to be a token that you can put back into that commitment tree. Um, so.
2: For now for now i see yeah
0: yeah i i just want uh, to talk about the story of constitution dow and like what nocturne like could do to prevent a situation like this because i just find the situation so interesting like if anybody doesn't remember know, or doesn't recall like constitution dow uh was a dow that was raising money to buy a copy of the constitution uh they raised a bunch of like money really fast uh and they were about to bid 30 million dollars for, to, to buy the constitution. But the problem was, it was an auction and everybody could see that they were gonna bid $30 million. You know who really wanted the constitution really badly? Uh, none other than Citadel's Ken Griffin. And he saw on chain, they had $30 million. So he was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna bid $40 million. And right off the bat, I'm not sure if people remember, uh, Ken Griffin bid $30 million, like right off the bat. And there was like nothing we like they could do. Like they had like they had a limit of like how much they could bid, but because Ken, it's like you're playing poker, and you're playing with your fucking cards open, and everybody could see your cards. Like that's the problem when you don't have privacy on chain like this. But if something like Noturn existed, Mister Ken Griffin wouldn't have seen how much money that uh, you know Constitution Dow had, and it would have been a lot more private. And you know it would have been actually a a bidding war but instead of just like yeah. a dunk by Ken. So um, yeah. I, I think that's a really important story and an important case to like press when like talking about like, why do we need privacy on-chain? But stuff like that, if we want like institutions to actually like be, if we want like on-chain institutions to be successful on-chain and to actually like compete with their off-chain counterparts, they're gonna have to have privacy. Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. Um, I think ConstitutionDAO is a good example. Um, I mean, essentially the way you would have fixed out a nocturne is like, you have, instead of all this money, just going to like this, you know, this safe that is like very clearly for this, uh, this particular auction, like <laughs> those, just get deposited into nocturne. And you know, you don't actually know, uh, well, one, you don't know what funds are actually being sent to the protocol for the auction. Um, and then also like, you know, there's, there's more funds. You know, presumably the, the pool is more funds than just what's being used for the auction. So you also don't know how much in total is, is for this.
2: Okay. Actually, let me walk through that example because in my mind, I see is quite still obvious. Constitution DAO multisig has $30 million. Out of nowhere, that $30 million goes to $0 million and all, and then it's used with... It, you, we saw that it interacted with the Nocturne contract and then the $30 million is gone. Isn't it obvious that that's, there's $30 million now in the pool?
1: Oh, I see. I mean, uh, I, I guess the, the right way to do it is like, you know, assume, presumably you have this, you know, this safe, NOSA safe. And like over time, all these people who are trying to like help the DAO buy this thing, I was like sending money to this safe. And you know, that's how you end up with $30 million there. And I was saying instead of sending it to the safe and like, you know, the safe accruing the funds, you just keep sending it into Nocturne. To like one account, which is administered by the uh,
2: got it, got the it. The the DAO owns the stealth address that everybody is contributing towards.
1: Right, exactly.
2: Um, and so,
1: or, or rather, they own the like key for you know. Everyone is sending to these stealth addresses, which belong to the like Constitution DAO admins. And so, oh, you, uh, you know, so multiple stealth add-
0: addresses. Yeah, multiple stealth addresses would be generated, and then people would be sending to them, and then you can't you don't know like how much is in it because it's multiple self addresses.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all you would see is like, Oh, like all these people are sending funds into Nocturne, like, but you don't really know why or for, you know, who it's going to.
0: It's like, Oh, what's going on here. And it's private. We can't see what's going on.
2: (laughs) Uh, Could you explain, I don't think we covered this, but the viewing key and the spending key bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically the, uh, it's like a common thing. I think most privacy protocols have this is like, uh, the spending key. It's like, you know, that's what you use to authorize, uh, usage of funds. Um, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. The viewing key is derived from the spending key. Um, and it really, it just, it allows you to look at, you know, all the notes that have been created, uh, within, you know, Nocturne over time and like essentially like trial decrypt them. And, you know, if, if it turns out that you decrypt it and it's like, Oh, this, this is mine. Like, you know, the decryption worked then, uh, you know, that's how you know which uh, notes belong to you essentially.
2: Got it. And then you say you can give certain, you know, permission parties, a viewing key so that they can also see into your accounts. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose in um, yeah, if, if, you know, I guess in the Constitution DAO example, if you wanted everyone who participated to have a viewing key, because, you know, mm-hmm. they want to be a part and like, see what's going on, you could you could do that. Um, and so, like, only the members of of the DAO or only the people participating can actually see, oh, like, all of this money is going to the same address and this is all going to the Constitution DAO. That means.
0: Got it. But then if I'm Ken Griffin, I can donate to Constitution DAO and say, like, <laughs> oh, how much money do they have here?
1: Right, you need some opssec I guess around like
2: uh
1: <laughs> who you give these keys to. But um in theory <laughs> that would actually be even funnier. But.
2: Yeah. Wait, wait, so you have to manually give these like viewing keys via like a telegram message or something. It cannot be at the 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 blockchain level.
1: No, like the, so the viewing keys are like sensitive information that you don't want to share. Um like I guess an example of like viewing key is uh like a good example is um well, let's just say, like you know, someone needs to like audit my like financials or whatever, and like they need to like be able to see the, you know, the transactions I did with my public wallet, but also my private one. Like you could give that person like your viewing key, but like only them, because you know you don't want someone else to see your transaction history, and then they could kind of trace it through and be like, okay, here's what this person did.
2: Got it. Okay. Um, g- could you talk about the deposit screener? I think less less. I, I think everyone understands how Nocturne works. I want to now take a step further back and talk about privacy at large. But before we do that, share with me about this Dex uh, deposit screener.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is like the I guess the um, cover, like the the thing in the closet that like I think people don't talk about or you know the scary part, which is like the compliance Ooh. aspect. Mm-hmm. Um I okay. think if I had to preface this like compliance is honestly I think the hardest part about building in the privacy space it's like the tech part is it's interesting and like there's certainly some challenges there um but usually at least from what we've seen it's not like the limiter the limiter is actually like or, or what filters people out is the compliance part so um If you look at our docs, you you know, there's kind of a a plan outline there. Essentially the V1 of the protocol that we're releasing, um, you can basically think about it. It's like semi-permissioned. Like once you deposit funds, you can, you know, spend them as you want. There's nothing stopping you there, but like the step to deposit new funds into the protocol is currently permissioned. Um, Essentially you deposit into this, uh, like kind of this deposit manager contract. And then it kind of waits there. And like, uh, basically we run an off-chain actor that um, uses some data analytics, um, to kind of, uh, assess the risk of different addresses. And then from there, like, you know, different you know, deposits will be either accepted or rejected in the protocol. And um, I think the large majority of deposits are from safe addresses. Like we've, we've kind of like done the work of, uh, you know, checking historical uses of you know, the other privacy protocols. And like, uh, for the most part, most deposits are not illicit, but, um, yeah, this is kind of like the starting plan, uh, is like permissioned. Um, I want to preface though, like the, uh, and I think a lot of people miss this, or at least the, um, you know, I think FUD is like kind of a common thing that happens around this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal is not to stay permissioned. I think if you read in our docs, like the the paragraph below, kind of the the yeah. one plans, like our long term plan is to try and make this uh, as permissionless as possible.
0: Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. Like it has to be.
1: Yeah, you know, this is something that should eventually kind of be neutral infrastructure. And, and like, nor do we really want to like be running a centralized process forever. It's not, it's, it's certainly not something that we're interested in, in doing. It's just, you know, you accrue liability over time for that kind of thing. And so um, we've explored a lot of options. I think the main one that actually allows you to, you know, reach the permissionless state is uh, the scheme called Proof of Innocence. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. No, no,
2: no. Could you explain that to us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, um, so proof of innocence was a scheme that was, uh, there was a paper about it written, uh, co-authored by Vitalik, uh, Amin Solrani, uh oh, I mean, Soleimani. Oh, I know this. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah. explain it. it. got A lot of excitement as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I can, I can explain it as well. Just for context, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, what it is is like, think about, uh, think about nocturne, except, uh, when you, when you go to spend your funds, you know you send your operation with the ZKP and what you want to do. You send that to a relayer, um, and the relayer will take that and like pay the gas for you because you don't want to use your own wallet. That would be doxing yourself. Um, but instead, basically, what Proof of Innocence adds is that you can also like what you do is you include a proof that you're not you're within a subset of like safe uh, deposit notes or like safe yeah safe notes, um, and so. Uh, essentially it, it allows you to like, kind of prove that you're not part of like, say a, a list of, you know, sanctioned wallets that have somehow made it into the protocol. Um, and so basically the relayer or bundler will like check your proof and make sure that you're like the subset that you're proving against is like valid. Uh, you're not part of like, a, you know, a group of addresses that is, is malicious and then we'll relay your transaction if, um, you know, if that proof checks out. Um, what this allows you to do is essentially like segment the anonymity set into different levels of risk. So, um, you know, say that, you know, we're running our own bundler, we perform like very proper checks and like, you know, we keep our white list of, of notes very up to date. You know, you would send it to us, if it checks out, then, you know, our bundler will uh, go ahead and relay the transaction for you. But if it's not, then, you know, we just reject it and you, you know, you have to go either submit it yourself or go to another bundler who is willing to submit it. Um, agency Got and it. privacy Got
2: that's it. what i call so, it so yeah. so is it possible for someone to effectively once is like fork Nocturne and remove the decks uh, the the um, i can call it a deck screener but the deposit screener part so that anybody can just use it any address
1: i mean in, in theory yeah i think you know there's some operational component as well to like some of the off-chain stuff it's not necessarily super straightforward um but yeah. I mean, you could do that. You know, if someone's willing to do that, you know, kudos for taking on that amount of risk. I think it's, it's quite, um, you are know, you, either crazy or you yeah. have like a lot of balls to do that, but um, you
2: know. yeah. 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 I, I mean, that's obviously a question that everybody would ask. Is like, if you were, you know, if the U.S. government rains down on, you know, Nocturne like they did with Tornado, what would that look like? You know,
0: don't scare them. They, they <laughs> haven't been no, I mean, launched yet. No, 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 I mean, no I mean, mean. Of I'm sure he's. I'm
2: sure he's been thinking about this. So yeah, please. of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. But real quick, let me just turn on my lights
2: because I realize. It's yeah, 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 yeah. No, Go ahead. Just... Yeah, he's getting a little scared. That's why I gotta
0: turn the light. I get it, man. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that that is a straightforward question. Way to be straightforward? Got to get to it though. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. It's it's what's on it it's on everybody's heads. In everybody's heads. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh sorry. So the question was about
1: um so what exactly was the question? I know it was about regulatory. The government, government
2: comes in and bans Nocturne. All US addresses cannot use Nocturne. I
0: love how the light came on, like at this part. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well, I, I'd say for starters, uh, and
1: this will, you know, be apparent when we launch. But we're actually not supporting U.S. customers. I guess I didn't start with that first. Uh, oh, I got it. There you go. <laughs> okay,
0: there we go. No Sorry. U.S. Okay.
1: Yeah, at least you know in the front end that that we're running, and like in the off chain infra that we're running. Like, mm-hmm. okay, there we got it. We got the I mean, answer, like, guys. U.S. folks can't use it. There's a lot of complicated regulation around this. I think the two main like hurdles people have to navigate are like money transmission risk, which is just, um, you know, are you custodying funds? Are you redirecting the flow of funds? Like, do you have control of them? I think this is just like, unfortunately, the regulation here has been like fairly unclear. You know, account abstraction wallets, for example, like their bundlers are, you know, probably viewed as money transmitters. The relayers for tornado were viewed as money transmitters. And like, when you look at them, they're not actually, they don't control any funds, but it's just like, unfortunately, like poor interpretation, I think of, of regulation currently. Um, but you know, to avoid that, we're just not serving U.S. folks, uh, at least for now, until regulation is clear. Um, as far as like, uh, I think for for something like Nocturne to be banned, you know, the, you know, the other hurdle is the sanctions and AML component, um, and that's you know, it's it's self-explanatory. You know, are you doing your due diligence to like prevent bad actors from from getting into the protocol and like using this? Um, I suppose, I mean, is your
2: question, what would we do? Yeah, in what case would you guys do in that case? Like, even if you guys fold up shop, like the Nocturne contract could still exist, right? It's it's live on mainnet.
1: It would take right? a lot of, yeah. I mean, so we'll have upgradable contracts for some time. Um, partly because, okay. like, you know, you want to be able to hotfix things right, in the of case course. you find vulnerabilities. Um, so, you know, if, if it really came to that, you know, I suppose we could... Pause uh, new deposits and just you know people would have to withdraw their funds, um. But you know it would take a long time to you know get to the point where we make this fully non-upgradable, and then you know we'd have to be extremely certain that the checks you know that proof of innocence. We have a good system that works, and that really limits the annuity of like uh, you know the higher you know the kind of canonically accepted bad actors like you know protocol hackers or whatnot, um, but. Yeah, know, that's a, it's a bridge to cross for, for later.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I had a question about this whole privacy narrative because it's, you know, it's pretty stigmatizing. I mean, we saw what happened with tornado cash, you know, we, you know, we, Monero has been a fixture and a thorn in the U.S. government for a while now. Uh, privacy is like pretty stigmatized. Like that's, you know, we, we, we won't, uh say it any other way um so like what is your plan to change the narrative about privacy like how can we say like hey guys privacy is normal you know look at cash cash is private like using cold hard cash is private like people like have a right to privacy like how do you like make how do you change the narrative about privacy
1: yeah i mean for what it's worth i'm not sure regulatory bodies particularly love cash either (laughs) um but uh yeah, it's a good question. I think I can kind of give the the way that we think about it. Like, you know, we're trying to be very methodical in the way that we roll out privacy, you know, like we start permission, we kind of take off the guardrails over time while trying to ensure that the, the measures we're replacing with the permission part, you know, facilitate effective, like, self-regulation, essentially, with, you know, proof of innocence and are effective in you know, limiting the utility that bad actors get from this, that's, that's really what you want. You want, you want it to be as accessible as possible for most users and like extremely hard for, you know, those widely accepted to be bad actors. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think being methodical and slow about this, um, engaging with regulators over time, um, and just, yeah, like, I think we're under the impression there, there's a right way to do this over time. It's just, it's hard. A lot of people kind of like, don't want to have to like, put up with this stuff. It's, it's quite frustrating when you are writing a smart contract and you change a line of code and you're like, is this going to result in like, you know, my thing getting sanctioned or it's like, you know, <laughs> the ridiculous things you don't normally have to think about, but, um, yeah. Uh, you know, we're of the impression that, you know, that there's a right way to do this and, you know, done right over time being careful. Uh, and like at each step, making sure what you're putting in place works, then, that there's a way to do this.
0: Do you think your interest at, in privacy comes t- from a technological uh, curiosity or more of a political philosophical curiosity or both? It's interesting. <laughs> it's actually been a big
1: theme that I've, I've realized. I think mine is more, was more technical and just like, you know, I want to see crypto adopted for, for more stuff. I think over the last cycle, you know, Lots of cool stuff happened with like, you know, DeFi and, and all, you know, the growth of all these new ecosystems, but, um, you know, everyone kind of has the age old question of like, when can we start using this stuff as like real money for a little bit higher utility? And mm-hmm. that that's mainly was my motivation. Um my co-founder Sebastian, I think he, um, you know, he's very, I think he's a bit more like passionate about just generally like, uh, privacy and, you know, as, as kind of like attack onto like just general freedom. But, um, yeah, it's a mix of both, but I think for me it was like kind of driven more by like wanting crypto to be used for more, um,
0: a practical purpose per se. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, I was something else I was about to ask. Um, actually, no, never mind. Um, so, kid, did you have any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. I I actually wanted
2: to um kind of click back into how privacy today is really stigmatized like badly like you know you you only want privacy because you're going to do something that is unscrupulous or some something wrong um do you think that having it's nocturne going to do anything to change that stigmatism or have you thought about any campaigns or anything to you know privacy is good it's okay to be private you know
1: yeah i mean actually for this i think i have a better answer which is really um if you look back in history actually you know i I took an interest more to the the like crypto wars of the the 90s after working on this and and something you see is like you have this exact problem with you know just encrypting internet traffic you know um i think it it was i think it was the nsa you know they wanted to weaken encryption such that you couldn't have more than 40 bits of security uh, which is obviously, you know, you can break it. You can see what people are sending over the internet in plain text. Um, and you know, they're like, oh, if you want privacy, you must be doing something bad. But I think the the telling moment in, in this kind of conflict between, you know, devs who were trying to, like, build stuff over the internet, like commerce and other stuff, and then, like, you know, the NSA was... Uh, eventually, this stuff became so critical to, like, certain businesses who were actually, like, doing real commerce online um, that, you know, you couldn't actually it was actually hurting real use cases and businesses, uh, to like weaken oh. encryption. You know, some of these folks uh. were, were getting hacked. Um, so I, I don't know particularly what that moment would be for crypto. Um, but you know, I think it's kind of like a two-step thing where like you, you know, obviously privacy, the, the people who exist in crypto today are quite diehard about certain, you know, ideological mm-hmm. things, but you know, that's the starting point. But, you know, you always want to, like, bring in more players who are kind of increasing the, the, the quote-unquote legitimacy of crypto. And I think it's good for the space as a whole. Um, I think that will definitely change this stigmatism a lot. Um, and, you know, can only hope that a moment like what happened in the 90s, you know, happens here again as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I remember what I was going to say. It seems like the goal, if I'm like a privacy protocol, I think the goal is to shift kind of the burden of responsibility of who I'm interacting it from like the core team and the protocol to the user itself. Like the ultimate like end state would be, you have this private permissionless protocol and it's up to the user to figure out like, this is like, I'm thinking like the ideal scenario for like the protocol itself. And you have like the user, like, you know, participating in like proof of innocence and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. It's like bring your wallet. Yeah. I think you got it spot on either. It's either it's the user or it's like the interfaces. I think, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, pinning responsibility onto the actual protocol itself is like, you know, everyone said it after the the OFAC sanctions, like it's quite dangerous, like precedent to set for, you know, freedom of speech, you know,
0: legalized math, legalized math, (laughs) right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the goal, you know, over time is, you know, you know, once we can make this protocol more permissionless, uh, take off a lot of the guardrails but still have effective like self-regulation is to shift the burden away from you know shift the liability away from the protocol itself more towards like say the interfaces you know, the wallets the the front ends etc or uh, directly to the users themselves
0: yeah um going back to the beginning of the conversation we talked about you know different chains that are private uh and one that had caught my eye years ago um, and has been gaining some traction right now is DarkFi. Um, and uh, I remember interviewing the DarkFi founders for the Defiant at LizCon like, about two years ago, around this time when like LizCon happened. Uh, and one of the founders, uh, I think it was like Amir Taki or someone like that. Uh, he, was, he proposed that like DeFi is on its way, splitting into two. There's going to be RegFi, which is like you know KYC compliant, like neutered of its potential. DeFi and then there's DarkFi where you're going to have like all like the crazy shit happen. You're going to have like AI bots and agents and all this other shit, um, in, in, in the DarkFi, uh, in, in the space. So I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on both like this split, seeing a split happen between like RegFi DeFi and DarkFi? And what are your, far, your thoughts on like the DarkFi project itself?
1: Yeah, when when you say I know I I've heard of this like particular project, but when you use DarkFi as a term, do you refer to like, is that just like DeFi as is, or is that like specifically like, uh like what would fall under that umbrella?
0: Oh uh, no, DarkFi like is like a it's it's a project. So like, look, oh, you're actually yeah, using yeah. yeah so it's like a chain. It's like a chain. I I haven't used it yet, but um really? dark DarkFi is like a chain and. It could be used as like an umbrella term to describe like all of privacy per se, Mm -hmm. but it is like a project being worked on actively by devs. Um, I'm not sure where they're at in their development. I wonder if they'll fall into the niche trap because that's what usually happens with these privacy things. I think we should just generalize it, Dave. Just generalize it
2: to like, you know, all of DeFi as it is today versus a regulated version of it.
1: Yeah, I... I don't, uh, I don't honestly know. I know, I know there have been more projects around like you know, KYC pools or KYC tokens. There's also like real world assets, which you, uh, some of which you can't actually hold unless you have KYC, uh, I think like ondo, I believe is an example of that. Um, I don't know, honestly, like I could see a split. I, I'd, if there's enough liquidity for both to exist, then I, I, I suppose it's fine. Um, you know, the worst case would just be like, you know, one takes liquidity from another and there's like not actually enough to like for both to really work out well. Um, but yeah, I'm curious if you have thoughts here too. Like I I haven't thought about this particular issue too
0: much. Um, it's an interesting observation. Um, it's like there, there's definitely a lot of, it depends on the regulatory pressure and whatnot. And I think like the more regulatory pressure there is, the more like things will be pushed to the dark and will probably make it more resilient over time. Like I'm sure like dark fight will be a thing, but I think it comes down to like the n- one, number one thing comes down to is you're right. It comes down, down to liquidity. Cause if there's not enough liquidity, then like, forget it. Um, but if there is like enough liquidity to be, and then like you could s- probably like see something and, you know, let's say if I'm like an AI agent and I'm like, I can't open a bank account, but I can go generate myself an address. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I just personally think like generally like AI could definitely be like a big user of all these things.
1: Yeah. I think also like, it'll probably get segmented by like region and country. And yeah. Like the U S will, if there is a split, like, uh, you know, definitely U S folks will be in the, the, the five version yeah. for
0: for better yeah. or worse. Um, yeah. Oh, and I was going to ask, um, how how did you meet Vitalik and you know what made him interested in putting his name uh, as like a investor advisor to Nocturne?
1: Yeah, so we met Vitalik at Zuzalu. I'm um, actually Zalu. Nicole's son who who helped or, who organized the event. Like, she shout out Nicole, we love you. I know, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for for that um, opportunity to to go there. But yeah, we met him there. We like chatted with him. I guess. Uh, just like over coffee for a while, kind of just honestly, just
0: brainstorming like cool technical. Oh, was that like the breakfast, the vegan breakfast thing in the morning? Probably the one that was open like every every morning. Yeah, yeah, time. the one, yeah, that one.
1: <laughs> the the only place to eat <laughs> there. Um, yeah, only place yeah, reasonably so, priced to eat. Exactly, because <laughs> it, <was> yeah. <laughs> it was free.
0: It's free.
1: That's true. Um, so we. That's. I guess that was like where we met him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think generally. If I had to guess, like Vitalik has a couple, like, core areas of interest, and all of them are kind of very much aligned with like the long-term success of Ethereum. It seems like currently those are, uh, you know, privacy, scaling, and um, account abstraction, or generally just like UX. But I guess AA is like the first thing people think of, um, and like I think historically, if you look at the the projects that he's tried to support, um, they're along these lines, just because that's kind of like where he ideologically aligns. Um, Yeah. As to like why he invested, you know, I think he just invests in things he really wants to see out there in Ethereum. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, we had a fun time chatting with him and like, you know, shooting around interesting like concepts that might be relevant to Nocturne. So,
0: yeah. Did he contribute a lot of ideas and advice to your development? He has. He's definitely helped like guide a lot of the product
1: decisions. Um, Yeah. Like around compliance, for example, like he's, he's definitely helped us kind of think about like different ways the product could go. Um, he also, you know, I think by proxy, like just talking to a lot of projects, you accumulate a lot of like interesting ideas, which might not immediately seem relevant, but then, you know, an idea pops up in your head. Mm. You could know, like, check this out. It might be relevant. Um, yeah. The benefit mm-hmm. of, you know, being able to kind of work with the breadth of projects.
2: Got it. And uh, so I, I, I got a question specifically about Nocturne is what does success look like to you?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I'm curious. Does this get asked every project? It's, I mean, I guess that's yeah. a good one We don't hear that only the ones I like. Uh, Another <laughs> one's gonna ask, "What is failure? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, I think success to us is. Um, I mean, I think it's probably a function of a couple things. Like, I guess that the you know the vanity metrics of like volume and uh, TVL are like everyone kind of looks at those. I think those are definitely important um and it's like a good proxy for measuring like am i doing all right uh, in, in certain cases um i think for us like having privacy just be more widely adopted than, than like like trying to break out of the like oh i only use this because i'm like really hardcore and, like making it easy enough for like normal people to be able to uh use it without having to like opt into like weird stuff or like change their habits. Uh, I think that that was really like kind of what motivated building this project at the beginning is like uh, originally what we wanted to do was like just build a full out smart contract wallet that was had built in privacy. I mean, the protocol itself is not too far from that, but, um, you know, there's a couple of reasons why that's not currently possible in this version, but, you know, will be soon. Um, You know, the idea was like, you know, you just have your normal wallet, you do your normal things, but you you don't have to worry about your address being exposing your whole financial history um i think that's one sir,
0: component.
1: yeah yeah oh, go yeah. go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say i think the other component is like uh you know it'd be great for more institutions to be able to enter the space uh you know obviously they're not they're not going to do anything meaningful on chain uh, unless they have uh you know some kind of asset privacy and i think the main thing is just you know moving around funds like if if it's just totally transparent like there, there's really no reason to to do this over TradFi. so
0: no way Jose. Yeah, Nocturne, making privacy ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, yeah. yeah we love for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, that's like a mouthful of a word to say ubiquitous. Nocturne, making privacy ubiquitous. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got yeah, uh, was... one. Fu- yeah, I got one final question. Then we can go to the the lightning round. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what is your roadmap looking like? And could we see users get, uh, you know, granted some responsibility uh, in the future? So some responsibility, uh, meaning, it's a token. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, That's,
1: it's the most diplomatic
0: way of putting it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> you should,
1: you should, honestly, I should start saying that more often. That's yeah, like,
0: it. It, it's a responsibility. You know, granted responsibility.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so for now, you know, we're, we're going to be on main uh, in a couple weeks, um, you know, sometime between the middle and end of uh, November, um, you know, we're, we'd, we'd love to, like, kind of build up the retail uh, adoption of, of the V1 product and, you know, just try and um, get as much usage from that as possible. Um, it's definitely a lot easier to use than, like, past privacy products have been. Um, but you know, we still think it's just kind of like a step one as far as, like, making this uh, accessible as possible. Um, I think as far as next things, like, you know, we would like to transition away from, you know, having a permission protocol. It's not a responsibility that we want to hold, um, nor, you know, this should be neutral infrastructure. Um, so, you know, doing some of the technical lift on, you know, having effective proof of innocence and like basically using the permissioned version as like training wheels to build up to proof of innocence and then like implementing the technical part of it, um, Outside of that, there's like a couple of things we want to, a couple of guardrails in the protocol that we want to like kind of remove, which is we, we want to let you just like be able to transact with any protocol. Uh, we want, we don't want this like you know it only works for output token protocols thing. Like we want to remove that limitation, um, and then maybe I think you guys will like this part because it's it's actually quite interesting. Uh, and uh, shout out to our advisor Wei Wei Dai. He's he's now at One KX, but he he actually came up with this neat idea where like, you know, if you want, let's just say you have a smart contract wallet and, uh, you want to like, one thing we commonly get asked by AA wallet teams is like, how can I like use this as an AA wallet? But it doesn't quite work. Cause you know, by having a contract, which has all this information and like, you know, about your authorization, like that'll always dox you. But one interesting thing you can do is like, if we make a version of Nocturne where, instead of the authorization scheme being like your spend key and you know, just signing a message, if you have it be, um, <laughs> and hear me out, like a ZK EVM proof that you could authorize a transaction in your smart contract wallet, uh, you can actually base, what you can really do is like spend funds out of your AA wallet, but those funds exist within Nocturne and you actually don't reveal any information about
0: like, uh, like- this is a uh, Nocturne.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know it, it took a very large effort to make this possible but um that i think that is like part of kind of like the end game that we hope for any any eoa or a wallet that exists out there like automatically has like a parallel private account which they can access from the same authorizations you
0: know? got it
1: so that would be something we'd love to, to make I,
0: possible i have one more question because uh, okay so you guys are on mainnet um how much of a lift it is to get this on other roll-ups and is it possible to have this on Frax Chain in the future? I didn't know Frax was building their own chain. Yes, they are building Frax Chain. And not only that, they are building a market for block space. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow, I, and, I really did not know that.
1: But, but Yeah, you
0: gotta, you gotta you gotta subscribe to FlywheelDeFi.com for all the latest I updates. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, but right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, like listen to this. So like imagine with your Nocturne smart contract. Like, people are interacting with it. And every block, you get rewarded with VEFXS.
1: Interesting. Oh, I see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is...
1: Wow, well, okay. Maybe I, I need to keep closer track of facts. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I just hadn't heard about this stuff. Um, yeah, to answer your question about the roll-up part, um, mm-hmm. it's not terribly difficult. It's, it's the same process as deploying mainnet. You just deploy the smart contracts, um, you know, run the off-chain infra so like the, the bundler to relay stuff and um yeah it's it's i mean it's definitely something we're interested in as well i didn't include that when you asked about the roadmap mm-hmm. but um you know it's a lot cheaper to run this thing on l2 and uh mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely something
0: we'll be eyeing yeah this would be so sick on Chain. oh my god sam would be so happy this is, is, is live uh no, it's in uh there soon they're tm so, soon tm should be out like yeah. January next year. Yeah. Um, but like yeah. think about it. the first smart contracts are gonna get like the most of those VEFXS rewards in the for the block space. Like this is perfect yeah. for it. Oh my! Imagine getting rewarded for being private. That's so sick. It's it, that is pretty cool. How yeah is this
1: built on like Cosmos SDK? How does this work? Uh
0: hasn't been publicly and i don't want public i don't want to and i'll, I'll tell you what it is after the the show but uh <laughs> well, but, actually,
2: yeah.
0: yeah yeah actually i i got a,
2: a more general question for nocturne in terms of like liquidity because for like tornado and all these kind of mixers you need you know a lot of people coming in and mixing with you for for nocturne you don't really need that right because people don't really know how much is in the nocturne contract or you do. can you, you check do? Oh, they it, do. okay
1: one thing that helps the situation is like you can because you can spend arbitrary amounts meaning like because you have like tornado there were no output notes when you spend so that was like one limitation for like the original tornado Cash. um for us like you know if you have if you spend like 0.1 eth or one eth like your anonymity set is anyone who is any other note or any person who is like deposited at least that much so it's, it's not like the enemy set gets split across different pools.
2: Got it, okay. But, so it's I mean, all, yeah, the sorry.
1: Is still something that is like top of line for something like this.
2: Okay, I, I see. I can't just shove in like a, a big stack and then pull out a big stack on the other end because it would look
0: very obvious to see who, who that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was always a problem with tornado cache. You could like identify yeah. addresses quite easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never really transacted with that much ETH, so maybe it's yeah. different for you guys, but yeah. No, no, no I, not not me. <laughs> not, I only see it on I. the chain. It's like yeah. a movie to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's fiction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that wraps it up. Nocturne making privacy ubiquitous across DeFi, across crypto, across the on-chain world. Uh, Luke, we're going to the lightning round, so we got some light for you. <laughs> some um, lightning. <laughs> to uh, bring yeah. light to the darkness uh kit go first
2: yeah so i mean since you already asked the f- touching the virgin blockchain experience i want to ask you what is your favorite <laughs> off-chain touch grass activity
1: uh I, I like surfing i grew up in san diego so
0: oh, yeah. oh. cool surfer right. boy it's in my summer so, yeah. yeah nice um what was my question um oh what's some advice you would give to your younger self um what would i say i
1: that's a really good question i don't know i feel like i like i had a weird path because like I, I actually left college early uh you know to, to work on solo and, and nomad um sometimes i wish like i actually stayed because you, know, you miss out on some things that you
0: oh appreciated
1: but um I, I don't regret it by any means i think i had a lot of fun doing other stuff and
0: I don't know. It's, it's a good question, though. Maybe it, it depends on the day you ask. Oh, that's true. Honestly, I, I don't know. That's I thought good. you were. I I guess you like you must have like left college early. I guess like two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, like around three years ago. Oh, okay. So maybe let's maybe in like five years we'll ask this question again when you're back on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, and for, for me, if you weren't in tech what other professional career path would you be on right now?
1: I might choose law. I think especially in crypto, it's quite interesting. You know, it's it's very like, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, it's not very well defined, which is, is quite cool. Um, also, I don't know if you guys watch Suits. Maybe I just like watch too much like- Oh yeah. Uh, I, 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 oh. I used to watch
0: Suits.
2: Yeah. I love Suits, I no, love suits.
1: thinks I want to be a lawyer for at least like a couple of days after watching that, so. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Your Uh, your mom and dad would be very proud of that
0: answer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the final question for me, uh, who would you recommend to be our next guest? Who would you want to see on Flywheel? Ooh,
1: that's a good question. Um, So essentially it's like, you know, what are some of the most interesting projects that I've heard about recently? Um, Well, I was just at an Eigenlayer event in New York. I don't know if you've spoken with the Eigenlayer folks. Also, should Yeah, Ramis, we, we we had, we had, had them on,
2: on like in February. So,
1: like, I'm sure yeah, you guys are...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we were early. We were we were yeah. early the Eigenlayer wave. You saw that coming. Yeah.
1: Um, who else? Who have I spoken with?
0: It's Vitalik. I want to see Vitalik. I want to see Vitalik on here, um, <laughs> other than Vitalik, because that's like a no-brainer. Um, I think the.
1: The Aztec folks are interesting. Like I have a lot of respect for them. Aztec. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I think building stuff in like the confidential, like state world is cool. Um, I think renegade five, maybe you have had them on. Like I haven't met the folks from there, but I think it's, it's quite an interesting experiment, like building a fully on chain dark pool. Um, probably Mm -hmm. similar things to what we've talked about.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah. I don't
0: know. Have you chatted with either of those folks? No, I mean, no, I haven't chatted with them yet. They, we're we're new to the world of privacy. I, I kind of just saw yeah. the thread of you guys raising, and it sounded really interesting, novel, and unique. I was like, I want to have them on and talk about this and see what's cooking up over here. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. But I'll let um, you come know really to mind later. Yeah. Right, sounds good. Um, could you uh, let the audience know where they can find you online and find uh, Noxurn on social media?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the best place, uh, at least for, well, honestly the best place to look is just Nocturne underscore XYZ on, on X or Twitter. Um, there's links to like the rest of our stuff in our Twitter bio, but yeah, that's, that's like our main outlet for, from social media.
0: Nice. Go follow. Cool. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Nocturne making privacy ubiquitous on chain. I'll keep saying it over and over again. Luke, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks. Welcome to the Post Game Show. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, and I'm here with Capital K and Sam McCullough. Uh, this time around, we shed a little light into the dark. We had on Lu Chang from Nocturne, uh, and we talked about building a privacy layer on, cha- on chain with uh, what they're cooking up there. Really uh, interesting, really uh, innovative, cutting-edge tech he has cooking over there. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on this one? And also, before I go in, i just Sam was just going off, you know, like <laughs> yeah, just the whole well, time. I, like, I, I was gonna let like, Sam Dark, take this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark
3: pools, <laughs> this yeah, yeah, like I, compliance, none. that yeah, yeah. Look, I, I like I'm really for this thing, right? Like I'm a big believer in Tornado Cash. I think that what Tornado Cash built is a really important part of privacy, and the loss of it has been huge. Uh, for the entire Ethereum ecosystem. And so there needs to be some sort of replacement. And so the the general idea, and there's a bunch of different flavors, right, is that uh, there's demand for people to want to have privacy while they transact on Ethereum. And so there's going to be like different variations of this. Um, some people want to have a contract that they can uh, put assets into, almost like Nocturne, right? where they can interact with DeFi from a, a pool of shared assets, right? Some people want to have quasi dark pools where uh, everybody puts transactions into the dark pools. All of their transactions can take place inside the dark pools uh, and doesn't rely on external liquidity or any external DeFi apps. Um, and so Nocturne is just like one of many people building a solution like this. Um, I think we can include in our show notes, there's a really great article that uh, a guy named Muhammad Yusuf, who uh, is a, uh, I believe, a venture intern at Delphi Digital did the other day where he talked about like these these dark, just call them dark pools, right? Because that's what they are and about all the different variations. And so um, if, if Nocturne can figure it out and be fully permissionless in the future, I think it may work, right? Like we talked with them about how their deposit structure is going to work, uh, how they're going to be able to like segregate roles and responsibilities and also risk. And maybe that's enough. Uh, but I think that implementation and operations is is always going to be the, the, the key factor in this. Like we can always think about it in theory, but it's really going to have to come down to nuts and bolts once the tech gets out there.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, but I think yeah. the larger vision of Nocturne is what I like the most is he wants to be integrated at the wallet level and be able to interact. Because right now it's limited to sends and transfers effectively, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you could do a swap, but you need to get something back in return. But I think I feel like swaps and transfers are like now the most basic thing you can do on Ethereum. Right. You could There's a million of other things you could do or actually maybe there's like 10 other deeper actions that you could do. But once it's able to handle that, because I've created a lot of burner wallet, like my MetaMask looked like a, you know,
3: <laughs> How many up it's you not you? great. How many you up to, Kit? You know, it, it looks 50. like it looks like Are a meta <laughs> looks MetaMask. Like MetaMask. <laughs>
2: I think I'm at. <laughs> hold on. Let, let me click create new wallet. Let me see what that number is right now. 74.
3: Oh wow, I, that's more <laughs> than me. So, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: you. no, good for you. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a meta mess. Meta mess. But I, no, because, I was look, thinking. Oh, go like, ahead, yeah, go hey. ahead. Sam. Oh, I was
3: yeah, gonna because, say look, like, yeah, yeah go, You go. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'll, 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 t- I'll hop in next.
0: I was gonna say, you know, I, you know, I kept on repeating myself. Like Nocturne is making privacy ubiquitous on chain. For that to actually happen. We didn't it have to become like a standard, like an EIP or something, what they're building?
3: Mm, no, I, I just think that it needs to get enough uh, like volume running through it, TVL inside of it, uh, that you can grow the anonymity set. Because look, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the anonymity set. And if if it's small and only 100 people use it, it's probably very easy to track yeah. Uh But True. if you have several tens of thousands of people putting capital into Nocturne, then the anonymity set grows incredibly large, like what Tornado Cash has, and it can achieve what it wants to, which is to be able to uh, provide privacy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, so I think I, Dave is I, like, for, yeah. just for my MetaMask example, it was like the moment I created a MetaMask wallet, that is the stuff that, that, that is part of the stealth address family, right? Like right away, like integrated into that level, then I think it'll get there when everything's by default on the Mm -hmm. system, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's really unfortunate. I mean, the the switch to proof of stake has really taken away a lot of the privacy aspects that you could have with Ethereum. Like there's no way to get new Ethereum now. Uh, Previously, when we were in a proof of work system, if you wanted to Mm -hmm. get untraceable Ethereum, you just go buy some miners run the miners right. in your basement, you know, instead of, instead of spending $4,000 on Ethereum at a centralized exchange, you just buy the miners and wait for that new wait. brand new Ethereum to get uh, deposited to an untraceable address. Right. And then you have purely, purely private uh, ETH. Right. Uh, but now we don't have that with like all the, like pretty much 99% of all the gateways uh, to get money on chain uh, require KYC. And so it, it's become a lot harder to obfuscate uh, where the source of funds is. And so there's demand for these style of, uh, like on-chain privacy tools, uh, like Nocturne and all the other ones, you know, in in this really begs the question of like, where is, where's privacy needed? Right. So is it at the wallet level? Um, is it at the execution level? So, you know, we were looking at that picture before the show and like flashbots was on there. Right. So, uh, Flashbots is providing essentially private uh, meme pool, like off chain meme pools, mempools, and meme pools. Uh, trans- yeah, meme pools. If I
0: mean, the meme pool with uh, Pepe and Doge and Bitcoin.
3: Yeah. Like off chain mempools. a great project name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great one. Suave. Um, like, and transaction bumbling, right? So is that enough? Or do people want to be in these ZK enabled uh, privacy pools where they have shared assets that create a. robust and rich uh, anonymity set Um, because they're they're really like taking on two different parts of privacy right like one is privacy at the wallet level another one is privacy at the uh, execution level uh, so that you can not have the ill effects of mev Uh, and you know there's other forms of privacy as well too so it's it's not it's it's a nebulous thing modular
2: privacy right
3: yeah make privacy great yeah, so it's a full stack question. It's not. It's not just like an address account abstraction question. Like just be just by having privacy at the at the wallet level doesn't mean that you're gonna have privacy anywhere else. Yeah. So, I, it's a big subject. I mean, the the question of middleware always is a issue. Um, you know, if 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 they can if they can be forced into adding TRM. Uh, account filtering or address filtering for say uh, whatever sort of risk score that they have right you're like one mm-hmm. hop away from using tornado cash or you an OFAC uh, band wallet like there's no reason that they can't put on KYC like full KYC later on uh to say that what you if, know
0: yeah what, what if like <laughs> somebody with like a I think somebody did this here like a tornado like affected wallet uh they literally just like Sprinkled dust into like yeah, all these everybody. influencer yeah. like you know that's that's kind of like the uh what's it called the the samson defense you know what i mean <laughs> like you know you know the, the biblical story of samson when he like takes down the wall of uh of the temple and like the whole samson thing of israel nuclear supposed philosophy blah blah blah. you can like look that up later but the samson defense it's like oh like you're gonna like blacklist me i'm just gonna blacklist everyone like here blah 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 yeah. blah
3: So I like, I was typing the chat. I, yeah, I was, I was asking him like, I wanted you to, I wanted you to ask him guys about like, would he go to jail to implement privacy? And, you know, somebody like Amin, I think would, because I think Amin fully believes in what he's doing and is like committed to the cause. It's like, it's philosophical for him. Right. But I think hearing the answer from uh, Luke here, he said he was more on the technological side of it. Like, let's see what we can do. Let's, let's, let's build something. Uh, And so, Um, maybe it's his co-founder who would be, you know, the one that would uh, take the fall here. I think there's nothing wrong with
2: that too, though, right? Just building it for the product's sake of putting something that people will use and that you deem is valuable. It doesn't mean you have to go to jail to be that, that you take it seriously, in my opinion. Mm. Or do you think because this is a privacy product that, this diehard philosophy dogma needs to be a part.
3: I think it's that. I think you have to be there because nobody's going to give you permission to, in, in our post 9-11, BSA, AML, KYC regime, no one's going to give you permission to do that. They're never going to say, oh, hey, like just go ahead and, and build a fully private set of smart contracts that allow you to obfuscate uh, transaction data that companies like Chinalysis might want to collect. Um, nobody's going to do that. So it's going to have to be a incursion into the, the, the technological space where, uh, the technology just has to go out there and rapidly grow. And it has to get to a point where like tornado cash, right? It, it becomes permissionless and nobody can do anything about it. Uh, and for good or worse, then people start making rules around it.
0: For better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Dave, what do you and, think? Uh, um i was about to like wrap this up and go <laughs> and say no, like, no i i just want to hear from you for this specific one what do i think of what
2: of this do you need to be a dogmatic privacy you know oh yeah ma- okay maxi- so
0: i think the the answer exists like somewhere in the middle uh it isn't like full-on like die hard like dogmatic like die for this but it's also like not like completely practical, let's full KYC, like whatnot. I think there's a middle ground that, you know, can be walked here, even though it may seem like a thin tightrope. And I think the way to do that is something that I mentioned on the pod. It's like the more you push responsibility to the user other than the protocol and it's the user's responsibility to not interact with, like, you know, sanctioned addresses and making it easy for that, for the user to make sure they don't interact with sanctioned, addresses then like the more you know then the more this will become accepted the east in like more ubiquitous because let's even take like a step back and let's say like not even sanction addresses like i don't want to interact with fucking bob because bob sucks like bob has (laughs) fucked me over fuck bob i don't want to touch his fucking address because i hate bob you know what and i'm just gonna be like you know what i'm gonna just put bob's address and like i don't want bob to be in my animity set because bob sucks um Mm -hmm. well like that should just be like a feature like whether you know and like obviously you want to use it for people that are sanctioned like i don't want to be like mixing with north korea like i don't support that shit so like you know just making i think proof of innocence is like the good middle ground for this to walk so that's my take
3: yeah and I, i agree with you there i just the 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 middleware layer on top as well too is the thing that uh, worries me because, like, if you can if if you can be forced into using a middleware, then there's other types of middleware that can be added uh, that has a much more diverse set of uh, criteria that can filter addresses out. Dave, I actually wanted to go back and ask about that uh, political, philosophical, technological.
0: You like that question? You I like
3: that. I, yeah. I want to ask it about <laughs> Sam. So having worked with him and having known him the longest and been a part <laughs> of FRAX since the beginning, like where does, where does Sam sit on the political philosophical slash technological divide? Like, is he more in it for the tech or are there like deep rooted uh, philosophical elements that, that, that drives him to create FRAX?
0: Um, I think it's a definitely, it's a combination of interest in the tech um you know opportunity of stable coins and definitely deep philosophical underpinnings um that like make frax what it is and like how he designs frax um i think you know i think he definitely cares about like being as practical and compliant as possible like you know that's what he says if you listen like any of his interviews or talks like you know they're like we're here to like you know be compliant but you know at, at the same time um you know, walking that like middle ground Uh because stable coins and privacy are like quite similar. And like the regulatory gray area, like privacy even like maybe just like a little bit, even more like gray, darker gray area, no pun intended. So, um but I think you can like, just see, he, just see, I uh, hear what he says and see by like Frax's actions, like what his political philosophy is political philosophy and also just like what is driving like the frax protocol design and direction forward um i'm actually writing an article about this like the actual philosophical underpinnings of frax um and are like and like what it has in- inspired its design so stablecoin maximalism takes credence to plato's realm of forms from uh the Repu- from plato's republic it's literally like there's this ideal form that exists in this other realm of what a stable coin should look like. And he's bringing it to this material realm on chain. Um, and then there's the, uh, you know, I was just with him last week. Uh, we were just chilling and we were, you know, it's, you know, late night, we we're just watching philosophy lectures of this guy, Michael Sugre. He's fucking phenomenal. He's the best like lecture I've ever heard. Really engaging. It's like these old lectures from the nineties. I highly recommend. And he'd like, I posted a lecture about like the moral philosophy of Kant and like um when I like, like um saw that. And when I, when I saw that and like learned about the categorical imperative, it's just like, Oh, like this, a categorical imperative is like, if you're going to do like an action, like if you're going to have a mantra, like imagine if it were universal law. Um And so for example, like, I I would say recently with uh you know the bigger the protocol gets the safer it should get like a protocol has like a more responsibility to become safer as it grows to become bigger um so like if it gets bigger then it becomes sa- it should become safer um that's like a categorical imperative like there's no question about it. it doesn't matter if you're in like the US China North Pole South Pole Venus Mars like as a protocol gets bigger like it should get safer like i guess like a more like biblical examples, thou shalt not kill. Like, doesn't matter where you are in the world, like Venezuela or Nicaragua or, you know, or Mozambique, or I'm mean, going to just say, whatever random countries come in my head. Um, that like, that is like wrong wherever you go. Thou shalt not kill. Um, so like, and, and like you, and like it, so yeah. Um, Sam, Sam is a, is a, is a deep dude. He, he, He's everything that, you know, he like does is like very well thought out, very tested. And um, he's not it takes a lot for him to change his mind, but he does adapt and evolve when necessary.
3: Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's a really good answer. And, you know, there was a quote by Hester Pearson, the latest uh, dissent that she made. She made some comments about LBR and the LBR decision. And she essentially said that that blockchain technology and everything that we're building here is technology that enables dissent. And so, you know, these privacy protocols firmly fall into that category of what dissent is. Um, and yeah. you know, it, it it skirts it skirts the edge of what is acceptable. But I think that, you know, if you build it right, it can be done and it could be very successful. Amen and to it's that. necessary we'll be... too.
0: Yeah. It's necessary and we'll be there every step of the way tracking this stuff. No pun intended. <laughs> and so if you want to, you know, follow along with us, make sure you go and subscribe, hit that bell button for all the latest updates, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, give us a like, make sure you follow us on all of our socials at flywheel defy on Twitter, telegram and TikTok. Uh Make sure you <laughs> make sure you join our friend tech for exclusive show notes uh, make sure you subscribe to flywheeldefi.com for all our latest updates. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. Follow me at 0xcapital underscore K. And I'm at traders underscore insight. And we will see you next week. Peace. Peace. Okay. <laughs>